Well, thank you. Can I have some lights? Oh, stop looking at the lights when you tell them to turn on the lights. <laughs> well, good morning. Um, welcome to Holy Week. Um, uh, it may not be um, your practice and, and everything to kind of, a lot of times in a lot of our churches, we kind of just show up for Palm Sunday. We have kids that walk down the aisle with branches, and then we show up for Easter, and we get there. Um, we've had the privilege, um, probably one of the greatest things that um, for Holy Week for us is that we had a privilege to live in Italy for a number of years and stuff. And if you don't know anything about Italy, it's Catholic nation. Um, and man, they do Holy Week. You're talking, there is something every night. Now, I'm not going to ask you to come here every night. Okay. <laughs> You're good. But I, I just really feel that it's important. I think too often we just kind of rush through this week. And we, we rush to Easter, and we're like, oh, good, it's Easter. Let's have the family. Let's have a big meal. Let's go hunt some eggs. Here, Jesus rose again. Woo-hoo, and we're done. Everything. And I just, my heart and my desire for all of us is that we just really experience the fullness of the week. And it starts here. It, it starts um, today on Palm Sunday. Um, and and it, it is an amazing journey that we're going to go on, and I'm excited that you're going to join us, and I hope that you will invite friends to join us as we continue um, through this journey, through a Good Friday, and then again on Easter and everything. But it starts today for us, um, and as you'll see, we'll find out that it didn't start today for God, that it's been a journey going on and on and on. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 22, or oh, I'm sorry, Matthew 21. And as always and forever, um, as long as I'm here, these are the only words that matter, especially this week. Um, it's not about opinion. It's not about, it's not about some theologian and their ideas. It's about God's word. And these are the words that change <laughs> everything for us. And so I'm going to ask just out of respect and uh, acknowledgement for the authority's words, if you'll just stand for me as we read um, this story in Matthew 21, starting at verse 1. Matthew writes this, he says, And when they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus then sent two disciples, telling them, Go into the village ahead of you. At once you will find a donkey tied there with, with her foal. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything, you, anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place <coughs> so that what was spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled, Tell daughter Zion, seeing your, see your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did just as Jesus directed them. They brought the donkey and its foal, and then they laid their clothes on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their clothes on the road. Others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them on the road. Then the crowds who went ahead of him and those who followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest praise, uh, in the highest heaven. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in an uproar saying, who is this? The crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Will you pray with me? God, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity once again just to gather in your name. God, I'm reminded every Sunday, Father, you don't need me to do this. You don't need me to preach. You don't need us to sing. But you invite us into your presence. God, you invite us just to come right up to you, to hear from you, to be changed by you. And so, God, that's my prayer this morning. That these words would be yours, not mine. God, that you would take every piece of this service, God, and let it bring you glory. God, that it would be all about you and not about us. 
God, that you would encourage us, that you would challenge us, God, and most of all, that you would change us. God, as we enter this journey, as we enter this time, um, God, give us ears to hear, give us eyes to see, God, give us hearts to respond. God, whatever needs to be dealt with this morning, let it be dealt with this morning. God, make us different because we were in your presence today. God, I pray for every church that's meeting this morning. God, every gathering that's happened, God, that your word would be preached and that lives would be changed, that you would bring a revival. God, you would bring a resurrection to your church, to your people, to this community. And may it be done in such a way that you're the only one that gets credit or glory. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So here we are at the beginning. If, if you've heard this before, and you've heard probably, if you've been around church at all, you've probably been through a Palm Sunday service and everything. And, and usually in our Bibles, it's, it's quoted as the triumphal entry. In fact, it's recorded in all four Gospels. This is one of the things that, um, you know, we have Matthew, Mark, and Luke that kind of tie in together different perspectives. And then you have John, who's just kind of all by himself, that is just telling, like, deep, deep, deep things and, and everything. But in every gospel, it tells this story. And so when I see something repeated, I think it's kind of important that God wants to maybe get our attention about something and everything. And so we are on this journey that we start with this entry on Friday we're going to head to the cross. And when we head to the cross, it's not to look down in shame. It's not to be like, oh my gosh, it's terrible. But it is to look up and see the sacrifice and love of God. I mean, if you ever, ever, ever just think that maybe someone doesn't love you or God doesn't love you, all you have to do is look at the cross. And then, of course, Sunday, man, we get to celebrate the hope that the resurrection brings to us and the changed lives and everything. But the truth is about this journey <coughs> is that it began long before Jesus entered Jerusalem. This journey began long before he started his ministry. It began long before Bethlehem. And in fact, from the creation of the world, God knew what needed to happen and the plan was set for this. In fact, in 1 Peter 1.20, it says this, he says, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for you. Just understand this, that this wasn't something that God says, what are we going to do? Okay, angels, brain session, okay, throw out some ideas, Let, let's get together, okay, what? He knew. He knew we would fall. He knew we would mess up, that we would choose to go our own way. And from the very beginning, he set a plan in motion to redeem and restore us. And so don't think that Easter is just about a weekend in April or late March. This is a plan that has been around forever. And God has always been ready. Isn't that good news? Right. Isn't that good news that there's a God that is sovereign and control and knew enough and knows enough that he always has something prepared for us? And that's exactly what happened here and so I, I think there are some lessons that we need to look at this I think that when we look at Jesus's life and we look at Easter and Palm Sunday we get this idea that God is above and beyond anything that we could imagine anything that we could understand anything that we could even begin to comprehend that's a big God listen I just want to tell you right up front if you can explain everything there is to me about God and you know all there is to know about God that is too small of a God for me to waste my time here every Sunday morning 
Our God is huge, and he is above and beyond, and we see that in this journey. We see that there are, there are lessons in Palm Sunday that I think we need to understand. And so I want to give you, there are three things especially that I want you to see. There are three kind of symbols that I want to see. A donkey, a palm branch, and some rocks. And that's what it is. So let, let's, start, let's start with the donkey. Yeah, that cute. Isn't that nice? Nice little donkey, long hair. I don't know if that's the don- how the donkey looked and everything and, and everything, but I mean, you look at that donkey and you're just thinking like, okay, that's cute, but not much. Not much to it. What? Why? Why? Why a donkey? Have you ever thought about that? Why Jesus rode a donkey? Why he chose to do that? Well, part of it refers back to an Old Testament prophecy. Uh, Sherry read it earlier, and Matthew alludes to it in Zechariah 9.9. But I want you to say, turn back to uh, Matthew 21. Let's start at verse 1 again. And let's look at this. So starting at verse 1, it says, When they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus then sent two disciples, telling them, Go into the village ahead of you. At once you will find a donkey tied there with her foal. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them. And he will send them at once. This took place so that what was spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled. Tell daughter Zion, see, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Disciples went and did, just as Jesus directed them. They brought the donkey and its foal, and then they laid their clothes on them, and he sat on them. And, and so you get this picture. Again, why a donkey? You get this picture. Jesus like, okay, go into town. You're going to see a donkey. Just grab it and bring it. <coughs> now, I don't know. You, that makes me a little nervous. You know, if someone comes up to me in Universal and says, hey, um, there's a Lamborghini. <laughs> just go grab it and bring it. I'm going to be kind of nervous. But the disciples are like, okay, whatever. Jesus, you just did all these miracles. You did, okay, we're going to do it. But it's actually an Old Testament prophecy from Zechariah 9.9. Hundreds and hundreds of years before that Zechariah the prophet says, this is how the Messiah is going to show up. And, and he's going to enter Jerusalem on a donkey. And so Jesus is fulfilling everything. By the way, he fulfilled everything Amen. that was predicted, that was prophesied. And if you think like, well, that's, he was just trying to fool people. And there are people who actually say that. They're like, he's just trying to fool people. He knew the scriptures, and so he made sure he fooled them. Do you know the mathematical, mathematical probabilities of him fulfilling just maybe like five of them? And a lot of them happened before he was born, so he had no control. (laughs) It's ridiculous to think that, but Jesus fulfilled everything that was required of him. Everything. And I know a lot of times when we preach about, like, the donkey coming and, 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 and Jesus riding, it's about his humility. And it is about his humility. See, at that time, with the Roman centurions and the Roman soldiers, what they wanted to show power, man, they rode big, giant horses and stallions, and it was a sign of power and prestige and, and everything, and it was their power because they were military strong. I think Jesus is saying, I have power not because I'm militarily strong. I have power because I'm the creator of everything. <laughs> but it wasn't all, only about his humility. Because you know what's happening in Jerusalem at this time, right? the Passover all the Jews are there they are coming it's flooded the city is packed and I promise you every single one of them when they saw that knew exactly what he was saying 
Your Messiah has come. I love when I talk to people and I talk to different people like my Jehovah Witnesses friends. They say, well, Jesus never claimed to be God, never claimed to be Messiah. Really? That's only one instance. Jesus never hid the fact. He didn't boast about it, but he never hid the fact. And riding in on that donkey, everyone in that city saw him and said, Messiah is here. It, it, w- it was above and beyond. There, there was no, th- no question of who he is. But what about the palm branches? You know, why, why, why are we doing the, the, the palm branches and, and, and everything? So, oops. you know, we have our kids or we have people. And a lot of times the churches we decorate and we see all those and the waving of the palm branches and, and, and all, all, the, all the beauty of it and, and the pageantry of it and, and, and all of that. But what's the deal with the palm branches? What do we learn from these palm branches? I, I, I want you to imagine for a minute. For those of you that have little kids or have had little kids or you have grandkids and stuff like that, imagine putting your kids in the car. And saying, we're going to Disney. And you drive them, and they're all excited. When my kids were little, I mean, we, we go all the time now. Now that they're grown and out of the house, when they were little, we couldn't afford it. So um, my grandchild, my future grandchild, will get to go to Disney whenever he or she wants or Universal. So, And my kids will hate it. But, I mean, just imagine, like, the excitement building in that. Like, hey, we're going to Disney. Yay, let's go to Disney. And you drive right past it. And you go to the airport, and you get on a plane and says, hey, but we're going to Paris instead. Now, for us, that'd be cool, but for our kids, they're like, dude, you said Disney. Well, we'll go to Disney Paris. You said Walt Disney World. There's disappointment because it's, it's, it's not what they expected, which is exactly what happened in Jerusalem that week. You see, Messiah had arrived but it's not what they expected. Look at verse 8. So they see him coming on his fold. They know about his miracles. They know about his teaching. He has this following. People, there's a stir around him. I mean, just a few weeks prior, he fed like 4,000, 5,000 people, 10,000 people, all this stuff. There's this stir about him and this excitement, and you see it building. At verse 8, it says, Then a very large crowd spread their clothes on the road. And others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them on the road. Then the crowds who went ahead of him and those who followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in an uproar saying, who is this? The crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. It's this picture, just like this huge pep rally of like Jesus is here, Messiah is here. And by the way, the palm branches were a symbol of victory. They're waving palm branches because like Jesus is here. He wrote a quote, he's Messiah. That means the Romans, they're in so much trouble. (laughs) We're going to see the Romans get a booty kick. And we're going to be put back in charge and everything. Our king is here. And, and it's, it's all this. That's not what they got, is it? It's not what they expected. And it's evidenced by, by just a few days later, the same people waving palm branches, going, Hosanna, 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 were the ones in a crowd going, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. 
You see, I think we come with expectations and they didn't get it. And the truth is, is a lot of times we don't get it, do we? And I don't want you to feel bad. I don't, I don't, I don't want you to feel bad like, well, I don't totally get this Jesus thing and Easter and all stuff. I know I'm supposed to be at church. It's like the one of two times. I have a friend at Universal that I keep inviting to come to church. She's one of our dispatchers. And, man, she's got a mouth on her. And I'm like, hey, you should come to Easter service. with me. Come to church. And she's like, it will burn down. I'm like, no, you're good. There's two days a year that you're safe. <laughs> Christmas and Easter, there's like, it's in the Bible. It's a rule. That you can, and she's like, oh, so I don't know if she's going to show up or any of those others. But, I mean, we, we have these expectations, and we, we don't get it. And I want you to understand that that's okay if you don't get it, because Jesus' own disciples didn't get it either. Look at John 12, 16, it writes, he wrote this. It says, his disciples did not understand these things at first. However, when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him. They had done these things, and they had done these things to him. Understand that nobody got it. And I don't know about you, when I was younger and kind of cocky and everything, I was like, man, if I was there, I would have defended Jesus. I would have I would have known. Oh, I wouldn't have. I've probably been waving. I've probably been shouting crucify him. I probably would have been the guy with the hammer. See, this is a journey we're on. And the truth is, is the only way that we understand this and we get clarity on it is that God reveals it through his Holy Spirit to us. Amen. And so as we are walking through this week and you're praying like, God, I just want to experience the fullness of it. My prayer is that you would pray, God, give me eyes to truly, truly see what's happening, what, what's going on. See, because too often we show up to church, we either show up with the wrong expectation or no expectation, and both are bad. We show up with the wrong expectation, like I can go, I check off a list, I'm good for a year, and I, I've got my spiritual filling for the year until Christmas. I'm good, and that's all I need to do. Or I just go off to church because I check a list. We don't know that we're coming into God's presence. We don't realize that we come here to be encouraged, to be challenged, to be chastised, to whatever it takes to transform and conform us to his image. We come to have our ears tickled. We come to just have a good time, hear a good message, sing some good songs, maybe laugh at a video or a story or something. It's the wrong expectations. And I think just as worse is we, sometimes we come with no expectation at all. Did you come this morning expecting that God was here waiting for you? that he had something for you are you walking into this week that this could be an easter like no other easter you've ever had experienced that god would reveal something new listen i've been doing this a long time and every easter i'm blown away what god shows me new isn't that amazing remember that big god we talked about they had the wrong expectations we don't get it but you can if you allow the holy spirit to reveal it to you and show it to you so the final thing I want to talk about is the rocks. <laughs> and everyone's like, well, what are you calling me, Pastor? Nothing. <laughs> you know, because I've heard that preached before. You know, the whole thing, the rocks will cry out and, and everything. But look at them. Whoop. I really got to get used to this. Um, just normal, everyday rocks. Now, see, I, I don't know about you. I've seen painted rocks. 
And if you're old enough, you may have had a pet rock. <laughs> so the people that laughed, they're my people. <laughs> you don't get it. No. I'll, sh I'll show you. <laughs> they made money. Off I still don't understand, but they made money off selling, here's your pet rock and everything. But I've never heard a rock cry out, have you? But that's what Jesus wants to talk about. Turn over to Luke chapter 19. Remember, all the people are crying out and they're praising and they're doing it. Look at verse 37. It says, now he came near the path down the Mount of Olives and the whole crowd of disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Everybody is into it. Everyone's excited about seeing Jesus. Not everyone. Not everyone. Verse 39, it says, but some of the Pharisees from the crowd told him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Tell them to shut up. They shouldn't be doing that. You're just a guy. You're just a teacher. Tell them to stop. And look how Jesus responds. He answered, I tell you the truth. If they were to keep silence, the stones would cry out. Now, I've heard this preached over and over again um, when the pastor's getting on people not singing. <laughs> kind of what Josh did to you earlier. So, well done. Very Baptist of you. Very good. Um, <laughs> I tell people, I said, listen, I, 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 I am a dad of two daughters, and I'm a Southern Baptist preacher. I have guilt down to a science. <laughs> I, can, I can do that. But we, we talk about it. I say, if you don't sing, well, then the rocks. Do you want to get replaced by a rock? I had a pastor tell me that sometime. I was like, it, they may do a better job. <laughs> but I don't think that's this is what this was about because you got to understand this week is a snapshot of all of Jesus's life, his whole life, his love, his compassion, his his sacrifice. It was a picture of everything, his entire life, all of eternity from creation before creation that led to this week, this point in time, the most impactful week in all of human history. Woo. Changed everything. It pointed to this. And, and I think what, what Jesus is telling them is that this is not about having a rally. This is not about me gaining support of more people and getting more people on my side so that, you know, everyone will see how awesome I am. I think it wasn't about that. What he was saying is, listen, what I'm about to do, what I'm about to accomplish is not dependent on human approval or praise. It is on God's will, God's plan. Nothing can stop what's about to happen. It doesn't matter if they're singing or not. It's still going to happen. That this is a job of redemption and restoration for everything. You know, sin doesn't just affect us. It affected all of creation. And when Jesus died on that cross, it was to restore and redeem us. And it was to restore and redeem all of creation. And so even the rocks will cry out, praise God, it's about time. It's not, it's not dependent. It's, 
I mean, think about that. Your salvation, my salvation is not dependent on me. Whether I sing loud enough or I give enough or I go to enough church services or I read the Bible, it's not dependent on me. Whether I did that or not, that he would still do it. In fact, Paul understood this. That's what he says in Romans 5, 8. But God proves his own love for us that while we were still sinners, while we were still his enemy, Christ died for us. It's not about his approval. Can I tell you something? Jesus didn't come to be liked. He came to save. If Jesus had a Facebook, he really wouldn't care how many of you, oh, I like that post. Because <laughs> that's not what he came for. He didn't come to make us better people. He came to redeem and restore us. That's what this week is about. That it is the restoration of everything. And one day, I pray very soon, it will all be restored. All of creation will be perfect again. The lion will lay down with the lamb. There will be peace. There will be no more death, no more dying, no more crying, no more pain, no more suffering, no more atrocity. None of that stuff because everything will be restored because of what he did on this week. That's the journey. Above and beyond anything we could imagine or think of is what God did. Man, we are privileged. We are so fortunate. We get to see the whole story. We know how it ends. We show up Friday. I mean, disciples, they had no clue. We always knocked them and said, man, they all ran away when Jesus was arrested. Well, wouldn't you? They didn't know what was coming on Sunday. It's Friday and everything's ruined, but Sunday's coming. We get to see the whole story. And because of that, we get to see Jesus' life. Listen, everything you need to know about God and living for him and understanding him, all you got to do is look at Jesus. Listen, if the only thing you ever read in the Bible your entire life, I hope you would read more, are those red letters. By the way, that's something we did. <laughs> he didn't actually speak in red letters or they didn't like, oh, I've got to change ink. That's Jesus' quote. It's not that's. We did that to help us because we're kind of dummies. If that's the only thing you read, you would understand everything you need to know about God. To live for him. We can come alive to Jesus' life and his ways because I've got to tell you something. God, and this whole plan, this whole thing is above and beyond anything. It's, it's, it's above and beyond our ways and our thoughts. God is bigger than anything we can dream of. This week is bigger than anything that we could imagine. In fact, Isaiah says it so perfectly in Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. He says, for my thoughts, God says, are not your thoughts and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration for as Heaven is higher than earth. So my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Isn't that good news that God is smarter, bigger, stronger, everything better than us and this week shows that it's not only it's not only our ways and our thoughts but man it is above and beyond our need to be loved 
You know that's just a simple, common thing that every person on this planet has a desire and a need, not a want, a need to be loved. It is the greatest desire of our heart. It is the thing that separates us from everything else. It's the thing we need more now. If you want to be a person that's successful and say, man, you, you need to be loved. The most commonly quoted verse reminds us, for God loved the world in this way. He gave his only one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Or your verse, for God so loved the world. By the, way, by the way, in the Greek, that word is cosmos. It's not so God loved the Americans. God so loved the Jews. God so, God so loved everyone that he gave us his son. You want to know why God does anything or why everything, what's this, all these words are based on and everything that God has ever done is based on, you want to know why? For God loved us. And I know there are people that struggle with that. There are people that like, well, I had a horrible father. I had a horrible mother and I feel for you. I feel bad for you. I didn't have to experience that. I had a fantastic father. He was hard. He was a hillbilly. He knew how to use a belt. <laughs> But I never doubted he loved me. We just celebrated yesterday my mom's 75th birthday. There's never a day that I doubted that my mom loved me. So I don't know that, but I know this for sure. That there is a God that loves me more than they could ever imagine. He always has. He always will be. He will always love me more. And so this week shows us that, God, this is above and beyond our need to be loved. And then finally, this shows us that, man, it is above and beyond our need to know our creator. We are people searching for answers. That's why Solomon wrote, he's placed eternity in our hearts. We are always looking, there's got to be something more than this. Why am I here? What's the purpose of my life? What is all this about? Well, that is a natural desire. That's why we do things like evolution and we talk about it. Because if I don't believe in God, I've got to explain my life somehow. Or I've got to fill my life with, with either sleeping around or drinking or drugging or whatever it takes. I've got to fill because there's an emptiness in my life because I need to fill it. And that need is to know our creator. To know that there's someone that made us, that there's someone that actually, there's purpose and meaning behind our life. And this week shows us that it is above and beyond even that. Paul writes in Ephesians 3.12, In him we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. Do you understand? This week, when he died and that veil ripped, it ripped on in the temple, it ripped in heaven, it ripped Everywhere, there was no, no other thing that would block us from access with God. Amen. That we can personally, relationally, know our daddy. Abba, Father. We can know that we're not just accidents. We can know him. That's what this week does. 
we are invited to come alive. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost and now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Jesus said, I have come, in John 10, 10, I have come to give life and life more abundantly because everything else steals it. Everything else is death. But in me, I invite you to come alive. Without him, without this week, we are the walking dead. We are zombies. Just looking for some more brains to eat. That's it. I know, gross. <laughs> but that's it. We're invited to come alive, to, to take this journey over this next week. It's one of the reasons that I, we're not planning anything other than this week. We're not planning any extra events and stuff. It is this, it is Good Friday, it is Sunday, because I want you to dive into this journey this week. I, I want you to, to see what is it. And you know what? It may be surprising to you. It may be unexpected. If we will just take the time to kind of just dive in to it. But the creator of the universe through his son, Jesus Christ, dying on a cross and rising it invites us on a journey that can change everything for us. Man, we, we can come boldly to him. Hebrews 4.16 Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in a time of need. I don't know where everybody is this week. I know a lot of you. I've heard your faith stories, and I'm believing, you know, generally people kind of know who he is. I challenge you. I encourage you. I beg you. Come boldly to his throne this week. Jesus, show me the things that I need to see that I've never seen before. Let me experience this like I've never experienced before. You have invited me because of this week to come to you, and I want to come to you. I love it. Watchman Nee, great pastor and missionary, says this. He says, the Christian experience from start to finish is a journey of faith. For us to experience all that this week is, all that God has in store for it, it's going to take faith, y'all. Listen, I know there are people that have said to me, well, if God just showed up, like if he tore up there and stood before him, then I would believe. No, you would die. <laughs> you would be hiding under the chair, screaming for your mommy and your blanket. In fact, Scripture says that anyone that looks upon the face of God will die. We can't handle the perfectness, the holiness, the completeness of God. It would just, our, our brains would explode. Moses said, I want to see your face. And God's like, no, you'll die. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put my hand over you. I'm going to walk by. And literally what the Hebrew says is that he, Moses saw where God was, <laughs> where he had passed by, and it made his face glow. But the amazing thing is God had a plan. God said, you can't look at my face, so I'm going to put a mask on of flesh and blood. I'm going to enter this world as a little tiny baby. I'm going to go through everything you go through. I'm going to deal with everything you've dealt with. I'm going to feel the hurts. I'm going to feel the pain. I'm going to feel it all. I'm going to experience death, but I'm going to overcome it all. And Jesus, Messiah, the King, came and did exactly that. And so it will take faith. Are you willing to step out? Are you willing, again, I'm aging myself to Indiana Jones it, 
Remember Indiana Jones? The only movie my wife likes because Sean Connery's in it. <laughs> Whatever. Where he just steps. Can't see the ground under him. And he said, we have a God that will catch you every time. If we'll take a step. That's what this journey does. That's what we're invited to. The Christian experience from start to finish is a journey of faith. My prayer for you this week is that you take a step and you hear, see, experience Jesus in a way that you have never experienced before. And it will change you. And it will change everybody out there. Because how can we not praise? How can we not shout it out? He's alive. And I'm alive because he's alive. Let's pray.